And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC, and your host for today's episode. Have to tell you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Gusto. Look, running a startup is hard work, we know. Fortunately, Gusto makes the payroll part easy. On top of that, Gusto offers flexible benefits, simple onboarding, and so much more. And right now, Startup Hustle listeners get three months free, which is a pretty amazing deal. So go to gusto.com backslash Startup Hustle. We're going to throw the link up here in just a minute. Again, that is gusto.com backslash backslash startup hustle. Uh, so today, folks, I am super excited. Whenever I have a human being that I just enjoy uh, on the show, I always get really, really happy. So today we have with us a thought leader, international speaker, former metal band frontwoman, which we are going to delve into. Uh, <laughs> she is the rescuer of dogs. We have with us Heather Downing, and she is a .NET architect and developer advocate. And she's, she's just an absolutely amazing, multifaceted, dynamic human being. And I love talking to her, just, you know, just chatting. So Heather, thank you so much for being with us here today on the Startup Hustle podcast. Well, thank you for having me. What an intro. You know, I do what I can for people I love. <laughs> Everybody should experience the intro. <laughs> so thank you so much for being with us here today. And I'll tell you what, we're we're going to just jump right into it. So in that, that intro that I just did, I mentioned a lot of stuff, <laughs> but now I want to hear it from Heather. So why don't you just Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and kind of how you got to where you're at so our audience can learn more about you. Oh, absolutely. So I am a late bloomer in every sense of the word. I was homeschooled till I was about 17 years old and uh, went to go work, which I highly recommend everybody do. If I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. And so I just started working. I yeah. uh, went to work for Disney for a while, did that, and that was fun. Uh, went to work for Marriott for a while and learned the art of how people think. And then I discovered at the age of 26, 27, that really hospitality is not the way I wanted to go. I loved helping and serving people, but I was way too curious about how we could shape more of what's going on in the future. And almost all of my friends over time had become a bunch of nerds, just a bunch of tech gurus, whether they were developers or people who started their own company in it, almost all of them were in that. And they're like, you know, you really should think about just diving in. Here yeah. I am. I'm 27 years old. And I was like, oh my God, it's too, it's a little too late. I had no degree, even though I had had some college, I had uh, just really not fallen in love with any one thing. So one of these days, it's like the most ridiculous story, but I tell it every time. I hope that you don't mind. Um, I watched a blockbuster movie at the time, which was blockbuster. A blockbuster <laughs> movie, yeah, which was it was the second Tron movie. It was Tron Legacy, and right. I was so blown away with the CGI work that was done on the film. I remember like posting on Facebook, like how how did they even do the graphics for this? It's like so amazing. And one of my smart aleck, you know, tech friends who has been coding like freaking his whole life was like, um, well, they use a program and this is the program and that's how they make it. And I said, right, but who made the program that allows you to create CGI? And he's like, well, if you're walking it back like this and you should just attend one of my, you know, the uh, classes that I teach for this boot camp. And I just, I said, okay, fine, you're on. And I went and I just kind of audited some of the classes for this boot camp, which was in the same, like almost the same block 
actually um, that uh, Matt DeCourcy was in for a while. And it's interesting because uh, I just audited and I didn't think I was smart enough to really get into development, but I was obsessively fascinated with how everything could be made out of nothing. So I went and took the boot camp because it was the shortest way I could get to at least putting my foot in the industry. And it took me about nine months and I did that. And I immediately went to work for uh, just a normal enterprise company. And uh, I have never really looked back, but one thing that was a really big change for me is that after several years of just working at like banking companies or insurance companies and such, and making definitely more money than I used to, I went to a technical conference and that changed my entire trajectory of my career because I went to Kansas City Developers Conference and I met somebody named Corey House who talked about how all you really needed to do was talk about the journey that you have had up until now. You don't need to be the master. You just need to talk about the rung of the ladder that you're on. And then people will actually find it much easier to relate to you and uh, encouraged me to start talking. And so here I am like five, six years later, and now I speak in multiple countries all over the world. And that has afforded me the opportunity now to work for the amazing companies that I have. That is, that is amazing. And, and I mean, I don't think anybody is surprised that as in so many things, all roads stem from Tron, you know, not at all. <laughs> right. no. Um, so no, I, I love that piece of your journey. So I want to talk, um, the thing that you said that was really, really, I mean, you said a lot of very interesting things, but one of the things that was really interesting to me is that talk about the rung that you're on kind of thing. Um, so, so what does that specifically mean in, in your journey? Like when you started as a speaker, what did that mean for you? And how did you use that to kind of propel you into this? I mean, you're, you're internationally renowned as a speaker these days. Um, but you had to start somewhere with that first speaking gig. So talk to talk to us a little bit about that. Okay. So if you think that your passion can get you places, it totally can, but it can be a misdirected passion. So what I knew that right away, uh, because I wasn't 18, right? I was 27, 28. And at the time I started speaking, I was like 32. And so I went directly to the person that immediately inspired me the most when I went to a conference that I was like, the way you delivered the communication, it's not about what can this technology do for you? It's not about what, how do you present, um, you know, the technical requirements in code. It's about the communication with an audience that can't talk back with you. How do you, how do you teach like that and not lose people? Because you have no idea if your audience is a beginner somewhere in the middle, or if they're way advanced and you're boring them, like, how do you know? And, um, I was, the very first time I started watching, I watched Seth Juarez. And so Seth Juarez is an amazing guy. Like he eventually started uh, doing a whole bunch of stuff from Microsoft and uh, ran channel nine for them, which is their YouTube channel of interviewing like high end, amazing architects. Right. But he's hysterically hilarious. And he would always talk about how important humor is in every tense situation, whether it's coming into a room to do a pitch for whatever you're doing. And I have done the startup pitches, or if it is going into cold into a room in an auditorium full of 10,000 developers that you have no idea who they are. And they're what's even worse. They're not even native English speakers and you are. And so all of the, all of the humor could fall flat. You don't know. Right. Um, but he talked about how people want you to win. People don't want to waste their 45 minutes, their hour on someone who's terrible. So at least start out with that leveling of the playing field. It's like, Hey, yeah, I'm going to start talking about some stuff and you are totally allowed to laugh at me when I get it wrong. And that will get you a laugh every time because then that makes you human right. and that gives you permission to fail while still focusing your mind on what is actually important in the presentation, which is usually not the bells and whistles and all about the genuineness of how you're communicating. Yeah. And so once he did that, I just followed kind of his lead 
and uh, created my own style, I suppose. My style has been, um, I guess, described as coming into my living room and just talking tech with me. Uh, I'm not very formal. And that is something I used to be. I used to do acting, um, but this is not that. Like you can't act your way out of a technical situation. People who are also smart will call you call your bluff. So you you have to be real. If you don't actually know the answer, please don't lie. Please yeah. be yourself. But it, but just focus on what the value is that you can bring instead of the value that you can't. Right. I love that. And and speaking from another from another person who's really just not that formal. Um I I love that and I love how you're able to make authenticity and transparency not just a part of your personal journey, but in, in being who you are, you give other people around you permission to be authentic and real and transparent in their journeys. And I just, I think that that is super awesome. Um, so, so tell us about what's, it, what's Coraline? <laughs> That's such a great question. So back in the day when, um, when we used to have handles in tech, um, it was important to anonymously have a presence online yeah. and not know who you are. And so my handle was Coraline because of the character in Tron Legacy that I really yeah. loved. Her name was Cora with a Q. Um, but I also am a huge like a goth nerd and I kind of like gothy stuff. And there was this movie by Tim Burton called Coraline with a C. Yeah, isn't that based off, we actually have it. Isn't that based off of like a Neil Gaiman book? Yes. 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 Love Neil Gaiman. Yes. yes. He's awesome. <laughs> so, because I, I appreciate fantasy and I appreciate um, how much wisdom there is in like the gothy kind of uh, storylines, I yeah. chose Coraline, but with a Q. So, it was kind of like looking forward to the future, but still preserving um, the reality of your past. And that was kind of like why I chose that. It's a little weird, but people call me that now to my face. So here we are. Let's, let's say, well, honestly, like, I don't even think that weird is, is a, you know, is an insult or anything, but you're, you're quirky. Sure, I'm okay with quirky. I mean, it's better than boring. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, so tell us, I'm really curious because I kind of want to go back to your early days. Like the KCDC is kind of where you got your start. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you had clearly you had a lot of really smart people around you who were trying to motivate you, inspire you. Um, so, so talk to us a little bit about that piece of your journey, because now I, I just find it really interesting that you started off um, as we all do, just kind of trying to figure things out. And, and now you have actually, well, you've self-actualized and you're now somebody who inspires others. So how have, you know, the people who mentored you or guided you, how crucial were they to your journey? Can you, can you tell us a little bit about them and um, tell us about what they were able to do for you? Absolutely. So the way that so there are many people that can teach you different parts about a career that you desire and it's okay to have mentors in different places. But for me, I think the thing that really like pushed the rise is that I was able to meet people where it was normal for them to be teaching about code in Norway and in Poland and in other places. And that was normal for them. And they just talked about how there's such a need for beginning to intermediate courses and talks, because once you become an architect, you kind of forget how difficult it is at those levels and how to teach that sometimes. Um, so if you, if that is the rung just behind you, it's very fresh in your mind. And usually if you can reach out and pull people up in the rung or two behind you, because you know exactly how it feels, cause it's been very recent. Yeah. And so for me, it was, um, I was pushed into it to be honest. I didn't seek it out. I wasn't like, I feel like I should submit to this conference in Oslo, Norway, and think that I have the audacity to get accepted to this. When I say these conferences, there are conferences that you are welcome to speak at 
that you have to go to on your own dime. And then there are conferences that are at a complete level above where they pay for your flight and they pay for your accommodation for you to even be there. And I was like, well, I'm definitely not the latter. Like if somebody was willing to let me talk somewhere, like I could fly there, I'll, I'll just have to save up for a year. And I remember being corrected by one of the people in our group here in Kansas City saying, no, if you have a valuable talk to give, they will fly you here. Like you don't have to do this on your dime. You just have to make sure that you get the time off. And yeah. so I was like, oh, I don't know. And they said, well, what do you have to lose? Just throw the submission out there. And I was pushed completely out of my comfort zone to do it. But yeah. if you don't surround yourself by people who will push you out of your comfort zone, you are doing yourself a disservice. So yeah. I, I, I loved that, but I also, it was also very scary to be honest. Like, I'm not just like, oh, I'm this brave person who does it all the time. I might be now, but I wasn't then I was like, people are going to figure out, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And <laughs> they're like, yeah. what is this girl doing here? And so it took the support, the unique support that I think Kansas City has, and I've been to many countries, many cities, there is no tech scene that is as encouraging in a specific way as to grow technical speakers as Kansas City. I have never experienced it. Usually it's very um, competitive, but in Kansas City, yeah. it's like a family. It's like, no, you are worth it. Here, we'll just put your name in for this because we know that you have something to bring. Yeah. Well, and I, I would say the the Kansas City entrepreneurial community, which kind of in adjoins, and there's like a pretty big swath of like overlap um, with the with the tech scene here in KC. The entrepreneurial community is the same. Um, so so it's really cool that you were able to to benefit from that. Um, so another thing that I just kind of wanted to to throw out there because you, you said something that I found kind of interesting. You know, you're not you weren't the one who was thinking, oh, I definitely need to become a speaker, and everybody's going to want to hear what I have to say. Um, you know, I, I don't want to make this all about your your journey as a woman. I want to make this about your journey as a person. But on average, um, there's this statistic that floats around. On average, women, in order to take positions of leadership, they have to be asked at least three times. Whereas, um, well, and, and I mean, that's being asked. So somebody has to think to ask you, but then somebody has to think to ask you three times, which is pretty impactful. Like that's a pretty interesting statistic. Um, and so, so you had people around you who were asking you to share your story before you felt comfortable putting forth your name to share your story. Is that kind of what I'm hearing a little bit? Like they were kind of encouraging yes. you? Because <laughs> well, there are two things at stake here, whether I like it or not, it, it constantly is something I'm reminded of. Yeah. If I fail at a presentation, I'm not failing just for Heather. I'm failing because I am a Kansas Cityan, because I am a woman, because yeah. I started later in life. So I'm failing for a bunch of groups of people as yeah. an example of why we will we are not the right choice. Yeah. You see? And that that felt like so much pressure that I was putting on myself, but it's also not wrong because right. that assumption is there that oh, well, really, the people in America that really know what's going on are in Silicon Valley and yeah. not necessarily, you know, somewhere in the Midwest. And it's been such, uh, it was it was a lot of pressure, but we luckily have such high caliber people here that can compete on any stage, not just in the US, but other places that I was able to look at them and very quickly just adjust my thinking and been like, what do I have to lose for me? But more importantly, even if I get up there and I'm not 100% perfect, somebody else gets to watch me from KC or who is a girl or who is somebody who started as a career changer, right? Maybe they were in plumbing for like 20 years and decided I'm tired and my back is tired, but I would, I love doing stuff online. Maybe I should become a developer. And they're like, so look, this chick did it. Maybe I can do it. Yeah. And that becomes more important than your own comfort levels. Yeah. Hashtag representation matters. <laughs> I mean, it does. I wish it. I yeah. mean, I want this to be a meritocracy, but we're yeah. humans and it can't be. And yeah. that's just the way that it is. So I'm going to just acknowledge it and be like, well, I can do the absolute best I can do with what I was born into. Yeah. So, so I just, I, I, I wanted to share because I, I feel like you and I, like, I think, I feel like there's, I don't know, 
I feel like there's this kind of intrinsic understanding. Like from the first time we talked, I was just like, I really like this woman. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and part of that, I think, is our journey is like, I, I'm not a developer, but I worked in a lot of male dominated industries. And I remember I had a nightmare boss and it was at a place where I was the only female manager on a, a, in the whole joint. And I remember I would like, I couldn't show emotion and I couldn't cry and I couldn't do any of those stereotypically girly things. Um, because if I did, I would be the reason that the next woman wasn't hired because women are too emo. It wasn't that Lauren was too emotional. It was that women are too emotional. Women have no place in this kind of, you know, hyper-competitive sales environment. And so it's almost like you kind of carry the weight of the world on the whole world on your shoulders because you've become emblematic or symbolic of this whole group of people. Um, and it's really like, I mean, it, it's powerfully unfair but it is the reality of the situation. And so the fact that you have figured out how to not only work through that, but own that, <laughs> understand it, um, you know, that is, it's really, truly impressive. Like anybody who can do that, it takes a very special kind of person to be able to kind of rise above. And I'm going to do what I'm going to do, but I'm always going to kind of keep this in mind. Um, so that's, that's really interesting. So I do want to take a quick moment to shout out Gusto. Um, you know, we love Gusto here around Startup Hustle. They are amazing. Um, we know as a small business owner, paying and taking care of your team can be really, really tough. Um, whenever we talk to folks um, who are, you know, first-time entrepreneurs or just kind of getting started on that journey, some of the toughest things are related to payroll, benefits, you know, all of that. So we just wanted to say... Gusto has built these easy to use payroll benefits, onboarding and HR tools. Um, something really, really cool that they are offering to our Startup Hustle listeners. Um, listeners get three months free at gusto.com to try it out. So go to gusto.com backslash Startup Hustle if you'd like to take advantage. Again, that is gusto.com backslash Startup Hustle. And we'd really like to thank the Gusto team for believing in Startup Hustle and understanding that we have some amazing entrepreneurs out there just trying to, to get her done. So thank you so much, Gusto. All right, so, so let's... Let's hop right back into it. So one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, because I, I, I really want to like bug you about how your brain works. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see, we'll see how the, how well this, uh, this works, but I want to know, like, why, why do you like being a developer? Like what, oh, is what a question. <laughs> I think that that is a seasonal answer. Why do you yeah. like being a developer when, uh, when you're in the beginning or when you discover something new, you like being a developer because it makes you feel like a freaking wizard. Yeah. Because you don't know 100% why everything works, um, but you figured it out and you know like 1% more than you did before. And it is, and you also feel like you can do things for others. I guess that's for me is that I could, when I watch all of the problems in the world that are happening, I'm like, I could build a, whatever i could build uh, some sort of function that could fix that problem even with the elections i was like yeah but i bet you there's something we could do about yeah. that you know and that is wonderful because that makes me a natural problem solver right. right when i am burnt out and i have never met a developer that has not gone through a season of being burnt out i like being a developer because it pays well and yeah. I'm just going to put that out there. Does it pay as well in Kansas City as it does in California? No, but I, it doesn't matter. It still pays better than the median. And so I, I appreciate that. Um, I like being a developer because I don't have to get up in the morning and wear a tie to go to work most of the time. And I mean, um, even if you had to get dressed up, would you wear a tie? Uh, no. <laughs> I feel about ties the way I feel about heels. They are both restrictive, you know, yep. <laughs> you know, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, I suppose if that I would be a daring and wonderful fashion choice for you. You look hot in a tie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but Hey, if, if you want to wake up and wear a tie, do it. I actually love wearing dresses and that's fine, but I want to do it on my own terms. And so I love the fact that nobody expects somebody who's a developer to look awesome. 
There is yeah. no expectations of fashion. Whereas if you worked in sales, if you worked in as a CEO, if you worked in certain places, you there's all these expectations of how you are to physically present. And you don't have to focus on that as a developer. You can focus just on your brain and the value you provide. And I love that. Yeah. Um, there's also, I think the last thing that I love about being a developer is that we can use our force for good, that there is so much we can do outside of our job. And uh, like I'm part of the clim a climate change group of developers online that are figuring yeah. out ways we can, um, like uh, data that we can mine and we can figure out ways that we can do things better from different companies to individuals. And there's just so many charity opportunities for developers that are needed. Even if you're not a boots on the ground person in the middle of India, you can still create the site for that group. And you can still do so much to create the awareness. We are so necessary that I felt like my job wasn't just another thing that corporate America or the corporate world needed. It was something that even if I quit the corporate world, and did my own thing, I could still be valuable, I suppose. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, being a developer, I mean, it sounds like it gives you a lot of freedom. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Cause I, one of the things that I find most fascinating about you is how multidimensional you are. Um, and so for instance, I, I, I see those kennels behind you and I, I follow your Instagram feed. I, I see what you're doing. So talk to us a little bit about that. What are some of the causes and some of the, you know, you just mentioned climate change, but what are some of the things that kind of strike at your heart and the, that you love doing outside of being a developer? Well, I think that the, the original concept of who a developer is has uh, drastically changed. Uh, what a developer looks like uh, is now different races, different ages, different genders, <laughs> right? Um, when it comes to whether you are somebody who is always inside or you're really into the outside world, I am somebody who loves to be outside. And so during this pandemic, my heart has found it very difficult to not be traveling. But something that pulls me out of working online is to have to go to multiple walks a day and have to go outside. And I wanted to give back in that way. And so I found out that um, there is a rescue that's in the four to five state area around mm -hmm. Kansas City uh, called Tasia Blue Rescue for Huskies and Malamutes, which are traditionally dogs that have so much energy that they need to be walked a lot and they just need to go outside and you cannot ignore them. You have to. Yeah. Take them out. And they forced me to get out of the chair and stop coding and go outside, whether it was cold or hot or whatever. And then I can kind of give back. I guess a little bit because I've always wanted a dog. Um, I've had horses for years, but they were always at a barn with a trainer. I didn't have to worry about leaving them and then going to Antarctica for three weeks. Right. But right. the dog you do, and I would feel terrible. Right. But the way that you can have a dog, but not have to worry about that is helping to be a foster home for the huh. dogs on their way to finding their forever home, which is hard because yes, you love, you love them because they are so adorable. And some of them just have very sad stories. Yeah. It's still a way that you can help them. It helps you. And then once they find their home, then you, your home is open to another dog that's about to be put down. Right. So yeah. you get to choose what schedule works for you. And what, if you're gone for a few weeks, that's okay. And if you're back, then they're like, hey, is there any way you can take a dog, this dog? Because um, if we don't pick him, we don't pick him up. Basically, they're going to be put down. Like last year, fifty-seven thousand huskies in the United States were put down. Uh, oh. You know, like, and these are dogs that most of them were adoptable, right? So if I yep. could help a little bit, like, I am happy to do that. Yeah. Well, and I, I've seen some pictures, um, and you have you have some beautiful dogs. Like they are. If I if if I didn't think my partner would divorce me, bring um, <laughs> home yet another animal, like I would just be Heather, Heather, right over here, right here, right now. I want one because uh, they are just just gorgeous. Um, well, well, that's really cool, and I and I love that you have found a way to kind of open your heart, but do it in a way that works for you. Like mm -hmm. in a real, I mean, that's that's incredible. Um, so. 
thank you for doing that. I didn't know that 50,000 stat. And now I'm like, yeah, we're going to foster. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to tell him <laughs> we're doing this. Um, well, cool. So just out of curiosity, this is actually a, a, just a random question that popped into my head and it should be a relatively answer, easy answer. Um, how many countries have you been to? Oh, what a question. Um, yeah. <laughs> Let's start with the big number, which is I've been to every continent uh, as okay. of 2020. I went to Antarctica, like no. in, oh. I did in January. I did. I Close did. The front door. <laughs> and the only reason I went is because of a conference for tech. It was called Antarcticon. And I okay. had to save up for it, but we went on a cruise ship, which was Princess Cruises, you know, the famous one that has had so many problems this year, but they were awesome when we were there and yeah. I, we had no complaints. They were wonderful. And I got to go to Chile. I got to speak in Argentina. It was nuts. Like we basically took the whole, like, um, the whole route. And we still talk almost every week, the people who were on that conference cruise like we all speak yeah. to each other oh, even awesome. now. yes so because of that um most of my very good friends aren't even in the u.s right they're yeah. from all over so um i can't remember the exact number the last time i counted i think it was about 42 but i think that that's where i'm at right now um but <laughs> it's not the number that really even matters it's the ones that you spend any amount of time in that isn't just for a quota Right. So like, I got to have a favorite then like, like, like that's the feedback question. (laughs) Like, could could you like break it down into like a top three or is it just like, eh, they were all amazing each in their own way. They really, no, you can't choose a favorite child. Are you kidding me? Like, it's not (laughs) one of those things you can do. I can tell you the ones that made the biggest difference in my life, but that's one thing. I can tell you the ones I'd want to retire in. I can tell you the ones that uh, the, the developers impressed me the most. Yeah. Right, you know. Oh my gosh, uh, I want the answer. Quit it. I want the answer to all of those questions. Okay, uh, the developers that impressed me the most: Dominican Republic. You just okay. keep your eye on that country. Okay. They are like 18, 19, 20 years old, and they are creating um, programs to monitor the toxicity levels on the soil for the crops of the local farmers who are losing their crops because of the hurricanes and because of certain things. And they're figuring out a way to adjust like levels of what kind of chemicals are needed to like help them grow for the next harvest. And they did this all on their own. They had no like big, huge university or government helping them. These are like kids who are figuring this out and have managed to save the crops of hundreds of farmers and i'm like oh my god it was amazing to go and watch that motivation to use tech for good in that way um the place i the place i'd most want to retire to with no question is new zealand i go back there every year and i mean probably because i'm a huge lord of the rings nerd i was just gonna ask (laughs) if it's because lord of the Rings. i knew it i knew it okay so you kind of walk the steps of peter jackson is that why like is that what you're doing do you stay in a hobbit house no like i love lord of the Rings. opportunity (laughs) i have been to see the filming location for hobbiton but what i've noticed is that i went there because i wanted to see the filming locations and i came away loving the people and the beauty of how many different kinds of ecosystems were packed into two islands like yeah. i can go to a desert a mountain um the ocean side like a lake uh, all within a few hours and it was just amazing also they have a badass leader in new zealand Hisenda is probably one of the best prime ministers i've ever seen of that country she was the very first prime <laughs> minister pregnant while in office and yeah. still managed to do her job handle all sorts of things during this pandemic amazing i would love to retire there um yeah, when it amazing when it comes, i mean when it comes to the most spectacular scenery it's like hard right yeah. i feel like this matters because it's all it's all just my opinion right but it's, um, but it's interesting like I, I love the fact like right now we're in the middle of a pandemic heather and we are traveling the world through your mm-hmm. eyes so <laughs> so the country i suppose that i miss the most for its plethora of tech, but also things to do and food to eat and things to drink is Belgium because 
beer you've got chocolate some of the most amazing like pastries but they also have a lot of tech there like a yeah. lot some of, one of my favorite uh, technology conferences there is techorama and what a great turnout that has been and just impressed me so much and here's the kicker a local kc beer was purchased by a, a company in belgium and okay. i walked into Brussels, into a pizza joint that had Tank 7 from Bar <gasps> Brewery on the menu. And oh, I, nice. I was home. It was great. Yeah, we just had a little slice of home right there. That is amazing. Oh, and thank you for sharing that. <laughs> um, okay. Well, so, so kind of, I'm going to piggyback on that just a little teeny tiny bit. Um, but you know, you talked about the exciting things that are happening in Belgium and tech. So, so talk to us about that a little bit. What are some really interesting trends or what are some things that you're seeing that you're really excited about in, in the tech world? Oh, look into Mauritius. So Mauritius has a lot of people in tech that are delivering really well. Uh, okay. I've done a lot of remote teamwork. I've worked at uh, Kansas City companies with teams that are outsourced. And mm -hmm. I would say the ones that impressed me the most were definitely in Mauritius, the Philippines, and Poland, um, but also Belgium as well. When it comes to kind of like startup-y stuff, man, watch for Australia. They've got some stuff coming down the pike that are so exciting and they are very relatable to Americans, but also okay. Asia. Because, and that is like, the, I feel like Australia is kind of like the great, like um, the in-between that they understand Asia because they are closer to it. Yeah. Um, but they also understand America because I mean, to me, uh, at least outside of Sydney, Australians and Texans are, are very close in um, how fun they are and, yeah. how, and how down to earth and real they are. Sometimes it can be a little crazy, but again, like in my line of work, uh, Troy Hunt is one of the most famous people in the security space and he lives in the Gold Coast, Australia. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's interesting to watch all this go come to fruition. And yes, in China, there are some really exciting business things happening. Sure. Not every business in China um, is exactly aligned with their government and they really do want to help people. And so you really should be open-minded because there are young people our age and even younger that are really trying to help solve problems like hunger and water shortages and dealing with data security, privacy issues yeah. from every country. But those are the areas that if anybody said, where would you go to, to see an exciting place explode? I think for me in the, in uh, the central Asian area, Uzbekistan has done so much in five years mm -hmm. that would blow away Silicon Valley. For example, they have a country that is surrounded on to the south by Afghanistan, who has been in multiple kinds of wars and issues. And they have managed their younger generation to say, we want to be part of the world stage in tech. And we know that we're in an area that's really scary, but our country is not scary. Maybe the, the countries around us are, but we are not. And we want yeah. to do something and take control. So I got to speak with a woman who was a leader of the movement inside of uh, Uzbekistan to give completely free high education to anybody from any town village in the entire country. If they are willing to come for a few years and they fly in people from other countries to teach high levels of technology, if they are willing to go back to their villages and serve them and help build out their websites and infrastructure for two years. And I think, wow, amazing to watch that happening. It was completely homegrown in this generation, the Gen Z and the millennials out in Uzbekistan are like, no, we want to be part of the world stage that brings value and does things about our plight. And so yeah. they're the only one of the countries around it that really inspired me with how they are setting people up for success without it being financially tied. Interesting. Well, so, so I'm going to ask 
Well, I, I have time for about two more questions. And in one of the, this is this is going to be like the softball. This has been fascinating. I do also just really quickly want to say, when you were talking about Australians, I was kind of laughing in my head because I, I spent some time backpacking around Turkey um, for a while. And I, for whatever reason, I always ended up hanging out with Australians, like just because they were just so like nice. But I used to, I always made fun of them because they pronounce asphalt, asphalt. Yeah. And I think that's really funny. I have no idea why I find that so funny. But yeah, Australians are really great backpacking buddies. Just, you know, throwing that out there. Um, so, so when you were talking, I was like, oh, I get that. Like, I know exactly what she's talking about. Um, so, so one of the questions and what, one of the final questions that I want to ask you, you know, you, you are this, you're a speaker, but you're also, you're a technologist yourself, but you're also an advocate. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Like, what does it mean for you to, you, you know, when we were talking about how we were going to introduce you, you said developer advocate. And I want to know, what does that mean to you? That's a fair question. Well, <laughs> first of all, that is uh, my title at the company I work for right now, which is Okta. Yeah. We're a big security and identity management provider. What that means is that you are a double agent. So the company you work for, you may advocate for them to the developer community, but also you advocate for your developer community right back and say, hey, your SDK is pretty crappy, you should fix it. Or, hey, this is this doesn't make sense because developers are intelligent and smart, but please do not take advantage of that by not documenting things properly, by not, yeah. you know, you need to make things easy because you're trying to um, say, hey, well, here you go, here are the, here are the blueprints to build a, Lego block, but we don't want that. We want the Lego block done so we can plug it into the house that we're building with different Legos. Like we, we don't have time to completely wrap our heads around just the one thing that you do because we have to put together this whole house. I'm not right. saying that there aren't people who are really interested in that and should deep dive, but the average developer, when I say average, not that they are average intelligence, just because so many developers are hired by companies that are in major industries that mm -hmm. just are trying to get their work done. And if you make things hard for them, you are doing yourself a disservice. So I advocate for the junior and the mid-level developer that yeah. if, your tech, if your documentation and the way you present your product is too hard for a mid-level developer to understand, you need to reword it and you need to fix it because it has nothing to do with intelligence and everything to do with how much noise we have from so many different places and have to put together a solution that works for everyone. Yeah. So that's really where that advocacy comes from. But it also, it, uh, it has kind of translated into the anti-science movement. I'm definitely an advocate for what developers can do, what their rules are to people who don't understand how to code. Because it's, there's like this assumption that all developers are hackers and we are just getting into your stuff all the time and we're data mining. Um, but I, I have not experienced that by yeah. large. We definitely do have uh, people that are, are interested in hacking, um, but I don't think it's the majority. And I think that what you even have, what we're even talking to each other on right now is because a developer spent some time to create sure. um, a data stream between you and I, right? And there is a lack of appreciation for how much work goes into this yeah. uh, to make what we have even possible. So I suppose that is also part of what I do outside of my job, just naturally, is to yeah. talk about what is really a conspiracy theory and what is really possible. Yeah, I I love that so much. Um, you know, developers making our globe smaller, one data connection at a time. Like that, that, that's amazing. So, so I'm gonna go ahead and close this out. And and I'm gonna say, and I don't usually do this, but I do want to say something to you, and I want to do it publicly, because um, I think I may have said this to you like the first time we talked. Um, I just want to thank you for being an inspiration. And I said that we were going to get back to the, the metal front woman piece. Um, I just, I don't know if you remember, but several years ago, you spoke at a digital women in KC conference mm -hmm. 
And I, I'm not a developer, but you know, I am tangentially related to tech often enough that I like to stay up on the trends. And at the time I was just kind of getting into the entrepreneurial community in Kansas City. And this was one of my first forays attending this conference. And I mean, I think that Melissa Green talked and Dory Davis talked and you hop up on that stage, Heather, and you blew my mind because you came up and you talked about your journey and being, you know, authentic and real and like all of these things. And you were like, you were talking about all of the things that you have done. And, and I'm, I have to make sure that I'm looking at you. I'm kind of looking away cause I'm a little embarrassed, but, um, but you inspired me. Um, and I, I think I remember like the first time we talked, it took me a second, but I was like, wait a minute you spoke at this conference and it was like years later. And I was like, I remember this badass, you know, I, I mean, I didn't it, like name recognition didn't immediately kick in, but then we were talking and I was like, wait a minute, that's, that was you. You showed me that it was possible to be a badass woman in technology. Um, and it was just, it was incredible. So I want to, I want to thank you for that. Um, it was really cool. You're real cool. <laughs> and then here, here's my, here's my human question because we're about to, to wrap it up. My human question is if you were going to start a band today, what would you call it? Oh man. I know it's all right. It's a little bit of a tough one, but I believe in you. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, just as a shout out to what I do on the side, there is a tech, uh, code related uh, cover band called the Line Breakers, Dylan Beatty and the Line Breakers that I okay. occasionally might sing on some of their stuff. Um, oh, you can't so say things like that to me and then expect <laughs> me to not Google. What are you talking about? <laughs> Lately, I talked about tech sales, uh, we, uh, which was like a DuckTales cover uh, that I ended up singing on. Um, but we've also done, um, you know, You Give Rest a Bad Dame, like Rest APIs. Um, that was okay. all Dylan. Um, these are people uh, that have like invented languages and stuff, but they also play bass and keyboard and stuff. Uh, so it's kind of fun. Uh, that's a side note. But if I were to like start over and have it not be code related... <laughs> Okay. Um, man, I don't know that I, I could have a name. I mean, that's a big deal to like, it is, like it is. a band. Well, do you, do you want to join a band with me? Like all the way from high school, the band that I always wanted to be in, I, it was a crayon color called Atomic Tangerine. That's what I always wanted to name my band. I know. I don't know why. And now I think it's kind of dumb, but that was what I always wanted to do. So at some point, that's going to happen. Oh, I love that. But I like dual meaning like uh, names, right? So yeah. I'm all about that. I'm sure it would be something like that. Uh, but I can't pick now, just like I couldn't pick my favorite country, right? Well, what, it, what, what was your previous band's name? Just Oh, it's, <laughs> it's called Hallucination in Kansas City. It was back, man, 2007, 2008. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I haven't done it in a while. I met the band members at the Kansas City um, Renaissance Festival back when I dressed right. up like Arwen from Lord of the Rings. And I was singing music from the movie. And then I got approached by somebody who's like, hey, would you sing that over like metal music? And I said, sure, like Nightwish? He's like, yeah, sure, that's that works. And I then love we Nightwish. Right, like, Nightwish is so good. You sound like Lizzie Hale, just out of here. Like, oh, like I like Lizzie Hale, but I, uh, for me, the number one is Amy Lee. I love Evanescence. Oh, I love Amy Lee. I can do a good cover of um, uh, Tourniquet. There you go. <laughs> well, I think that everybody should, at least when this pandemic pandemic is over, you definitely need whether you're good or not. Doesn't matter. Take your favorite song, go to a karaoke bar, and sing it with no holds bar and that is suddenly you'll discover things that you enjoy doing like i never knew that i would enjoy singing you know some music from the 1950s but suddenly there i was like singing random songs by bet midler you know like it's awesome. fun and when you do that there's something that happens inside of you because you're dealing with your own worries about how you look but nobody cares how you sound when you do karaoke. It's about how much fun yeah, you're having. Yeah, nobody cares. 
<laughs> and when you have fun with that, then all of a sudden it turns into this fun thing. And so now when I go to conferences all over the place, I usually find a karaoke bar and I'll grab some developers with me and we will go and sing songs that they like. And it has turned into kind of a fun, I don't know, routine that I do now. Right. And, I, and it has really helped me with communication and it's helped me with getting over myself as if everything I do is so important that I can't look like a fool. Like, come on. <laughs> Have you seen Elon awesome. Musk? He gives no cares at all about whether he looks silly. So like, get over yourself, stop worrying about it, do some karaoke and have some fun. And suddenly the things that are important to you will kind of come. Yes. I love that. And I, and I think it is the, the perfect note to end on like Heather, just putting it all out there, go out and sing. Um, so, so Heather, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I, I've been looking forward to this um for for a little while so i am just extraordinarily grateful that you would take the time oh thanks for having having me and i love startup hustle so i hope everybody listens to more episodes excellent excellent um also want to take a, a moment to shout out all of you hardworking startups out there and all you entrepreneurs um one of the things that we would love to acknowledge it is hard work balancing your bottom line and taking care of a team. And that is why Gusto, today's episode sponsor, built an easier and more affordable way to manage payroll benefits and more. Automatic payroll tax filing, simple direct deposits, free health insurance administration, 401ks, onboarding tools, you name it, Gusto made it simple. And right now, just for Startup Hustle listeners, you can get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com backslash Startup Hustle. That is gusto.com backslash Startup Hustle. And we are so grateful to the Gusto team for helping to make Startup Hustle possible. All right, folks, it has been a lovely period of time with Heather and with you. And we look forward to seeing you for our next episode. Thanks so much for listening. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.